0: welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People. I'm Rabbi Jeff Dreyfus, and I am thrilled today To have with us all the way from Utica, Mississippi, Anna Herman, director of Jacob's Camp.
1: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Thank you for being here not only today, but you're here this weekend um, in Memphis, recording live from Temple Israel, um, to promote the magical place uh, that did so much for me and my Jewish identity and for so many kids, um, Jacob's Camp. Uh, I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> had, to, had,
1: to, had to go there, yeah.
0: There you, it's not Jacob's camp if, if uh, we're if not cheering. Not exactly. exactly. Um, but before we talk about what you do in your day-to-day life today, um, I'd love to just give you the chance to talk about what your um, life was before Jacob's that or before you were at Jacob's professionally. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Dothan, Alabama, in the Deep South, um, and what impact camp had on you as a kid?
1: Yeah, I am. I feel really lucky that I am originally from Dothan, Alabama. I might not have felt that way when I was a kid, but certainly now I really do. I really loved. My childhood. You know, I grew up in Dothan, Alabama. My dad was originally from Dothan, Alabama, and my mom was from Adele, Georgia, and had a very traditional Southern story. You know, immigrated from Europe. My dad's family owned a dry goods store. My mom's family owned the nice department store in town. And I feel very, very proud of my Southern Jewish heritage. I, you know, growing up in Dothan was. At the time, there were times in which it felt hard being Jewish. Um, I felt like I was always having to explain, you know, what is Hanukkah, what is Rosh Hashanah. But on the other side, it made me so proud to be Jewish. And I really understood what it meant to be part of a community from an early age. You know, whenever anything was needed at Temple, it was all hands on deck. And we would have annual deli day every year. And my mom was, you know, going around town, bullying all the business hmm. into giving her free bread. And like, who am I getting the free brownies from? And, you know, we sold the deli days to everyone. But all of that to say that when there was a need, you had to have everyone's help involved to make it happen. And so growing up, I just saw how important the community was and Jewish community. I certainly... Felt really supported in terms of being Jewish, and at the same time, there was certainly a some error of anti-Semitism. Um, and at the same time, the community was very protective of our temple. But it just all gave me sort of this foundation of appreciation of community. Love being able to go to temple and know everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. I knew everybody and that was amazing. And when someone wasn't there, we'd call them. And, you know, I certainly um, was jealous of cousins sometimes. Like we'd go to these bar and bat mitzvahs in Atlanta and there were like all these Jewish kids and I just sort of couldn't believe it. But I just, you know, I loved that there were kids that knew it was being Jewish because my mom came to my class and talked about Hanukkah, and they just thought that, you know, we had eight days of Hanukkah, you know, because they, for them, was eight days of Christmas. But I loved that, you know, I helped to teach them about others in the world and that this is a really big world and that it's really important to understand others and ask questions. So all of that to say— I loved being Jewish, but something was definitely missing. And I had a rabbi at the time who my parents, you know, I was going to camp. It wasn't a Jewish summer camp, but I had a rabbi that told my parents, hey, you know, I think it might be really great for Anna to go to a Jewish summer camp. And this camp named Jacob's camp would be a good fit because it's for kids from across the South. And I just want you to stop and think for a minute that what this one person did changed the entire trajectory of my life. You know, my rabbi, he stopped, he saw me, he thought about what could help, and he made a suggestion to my parents, and that just changed the entire course of my life. You know, my first summer at camp, I remember so clearly I was on the upper athletic field, which you know, you know, we have a lot of fields at camp. And I remember standing there and looking around and saying to myself, these kids are actors. Like, there's just no way that there could be this many Jewish kids. And it was amazing. And. It was the first place that I ever felt confident, that I felt like I could be myself, that I could use my voice, that it didn't matter if I was a little bit weird. It was like the weirder, the better. Um, people were kind. I learned how to get along with people that I not necessarily don't get along with, but that, you know, you're in a community and the, the self-confidence that I gained at camp carried me through the rest of my life. And that never would have happened if someone didn't stop for a minute and think about me as a person and say, hmm, let me take three minutes to think about Anna and what could help her, and that changed the entire course of my life.
0: Hmm. Wow. I know. It, it's, it's amazing to think about how sometimes just one little thing. Yes. Like, like sending you to camp, just one little decision I how know. that can, looking back 30 years later, be like, wow! That really was a turning point and, and affected everything. I want to pick up on one thing you said, which is which was true for me also. That when you go to camp, I don't know if this is true for every camp because Jacobs is pretty much the only camp I ever went to. But um, when you spend twenty four hours a day with mm-hmm. with your peers who become your friends and who hopefully and I think for a lot of Jacobs campers do become their best lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they see you in a fullness that your friends from school or your friends from soccer or from Sunday school don't see you. They see exactly who you are. It, you can't put up a pretense 24 hours mm-hmm. a day. So you have to let your guard down and let these people into who you really are. And I think that being accepted by your peers and your friends for who you really are and then being gaining comfort in your own skin is such a part of camp that does in the rest of your life, when you leave camp, you're. I'll just speak for myself, I was so much more comfortable mm-hmm. and confident in who I was because I knew that I had camp people who loved me for exactly who I was, even if that was weird or goofy or silly, um, that because I knew in the back of my head, every in every moment of life, I had these people who loved me and cared about me no matter what, that did so much for me um, as I walked through life after outside of camp.
1: I I agree with you completely, and I think that while, of course, I think that Jacob's Camp does that especially well, I do think that that is something that is really amazing about Jewish summer camps in general, and I think that the the skills that kids gain, especially around resiliency, when they're in these environments without their parents there, and they, they are they also, they end up seeing like everything is actually going to be okay. Like everything does work out while all of that is happening. It really builds upon everything you're saying. And while of course, like I said, I think that the Jacob's magic as we know it is particularly special. I do think it is something that is really special, especially about our Jewish summer Mm -hmm. camps.
0: Totally agree. And and, um, we'll talk more later about specifically, like, why Jewish camp is so beneficial for our kids. Um, oh, what's the last thing you just said, Anna? I totally—
1: No, just, I was talking about resiliency, oh, resiliency and about even just the environment. You know, kids—when kids have to even just, you know, put on their shoes, get dressed for the day, make sure their water bottle and their sunscreen is in their bag without their parents there, of course, counselors or they'll have are they helping? And we have a lot of campers who are, you know, really high executive functioning that are also helping. But kids doing all of that also gives a lot of self-confidence. And that the self-confidence and the the love of Judaism really came together for me at camp. And it even just being from Dothan, the, the camp confidence and the love just really made me appreciate even more being Jewish and going out into the world and knowing that I wanted everyone to know I was Jewish and to know how amazing our community is.
0: So uh, I totally agree, and I want to stay on this Jewish um, element, but I do I think that this building resilience mm-hmm. and resiliency is something that is so important in our in our society and our culture today, and so I hope we can come back to it
1: Definitely. because we talk
0: a lot um, about fragility, and especially coming out of COVID, um, there's been so much um, so much time apart from kids. It made it so difficult for, and I've seen it so many times um, working with our youth, seeing them interact with other people face to face after a year plus yes. of being apart. On, on top of all the other mental health challenges yes. that they're going through. And so I think having a place that builds their resiliency is just like it is the answer that we need as a society is to tell our kids you're not fragile. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens to you, you have the power to take care of yourself. And all you'll within be fine. yourself. You're exactly. Gonna, and you're
1: going to be okay. And like you can do hard things, but you're going to be okay. And... I think, you know, kids have always needed camp. Like, I talked to you about what camp was like for me as a kid, and it made me self-confident. But if you think about the pressures of the world today and what kids went through COVID, they have really never needed camp more than ever. You know, they are away from their screens. They are with other kids. They are playing. They are making up games. They are, you know, doing wacky races. They're learning new activities. But sometimes things don't go their way. And they figure out that oh, actually, it's okay. You know, it's just rare today for our kids to have to go through hard things, and they are loved through them. And then they realize it's going to be okay. And that is um, that's not easy, but I think it's really important.
0: Hmm. And maybe that is the um, the formula, the secret form, the magic formula to building resilience, is to letting our kids be challenged. Maybe they might fail. Maybe they might, um, get hurt. Maybe they might skin their knee. But, um, when 15 minutes later, they see that actually they still have, even if they lost at kickball or whatever, um, they they still have friends and their counselors still love them and their, their, their friends still love them. Um, that, that is what builds our resilience to know in the rest of our life. If we, um, go through a challenge that we can make
1: it through. It's so true it really got it really gives really, really gives the tools, tools really kids. the tools for kids to know that they're going to be okay and that they can do hard things
0: totally and it's um so we'll we'll, we'll give a, a full camp commercial yes, definitely, later
1: definitely definitely but
0: i do think that is a maybe an under thought about uh benefit of of going to camp as a kid and being away from home
1: and don't you think, I mean, now, more than ever, with what kids have been through and what it's like to be a kid and the pressures and social media that this is, I mean, exactly what kids need to sort of it's their 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 armor, it's their it's their strength to just go out into that world and keep going totally.
0: And I think you you just touched on this, but flew right by it. But the screen time, the fact that oh they're away God, from I their know. screens for a month, I know it's so important because I know. so many of our young people, they, their interaction is through this medium of Snapchat or of TikTok or of just texting. And it's anxiety inducing for them to, and I'm obviously, I'm speaking in generalities, not every kid is impacted by this, but so many of them find it very challenging to interact face to face, to look people in the eye and camp a month away from screens I, I mean, I haven't seen the research, but I can there, only imagine there is
1: fascinating research. And there's, there, I wish you know, it, it is, there is fascinating research, but it is the only. It is for kids to actually connect and to have conversations and to have hard conversations. And when you're living with other people, things aren't always easy. And how amazing that camp gives people a place to have respectful opportunities to work through hard things. Like you can't have parents swoop in and solve it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I mean, one thing that's obviously very different about camp than when we were kids is there are so many layers of support, right? Like the the eight our counselors are the ones that make the magic. There's no question that the counselors are everything. But, you know, like we spoke about earlier, there's a lot of different levels of support with, you know, mental health and supervisors and lots of ag- adults. But all of that to say, it is really important for kids to be able to work through hard conversations and hard things. And camp is a space where they have to learn how to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're solving things on their own. And, you know, it gives them real skills as they go through their life.
0: So I want to ask, um, Br- Br- coming back to you as a, as a J- little Jacobs camper, mm-hmm. um, what were some of the skills that you felt like you built? Or what w- what were some of the the memories that you have, maybe one or two, um, that strengthen your Jewish identity, um, that ultimately, and we'll get into this in a minute, ultimately led you to want to work in the Jewish world. What about camp inspired you so much Jewishly?
1: I really, you know, growing up in Dothan, with very few kids in Sunday school, I feel really grateful to all of the grownups who made sure that we had something to do every Sunday, I think that I was shocked when I got to camp to understand the diversity and the breadth and the width of Reform Judaism, and just in terms of the learnings and the activities and the ideas and the Jewish values, I was just so shocked there was so much to our religion. I just did not have a lot of opportunities. And so I I loved getting to know all of the different rabbis across the region and just You know, we were on the soccer field talking about Jewish values, and I just, it was just so wild to me to just see Judaism in action. And in the other side of my life, I feel that I went back to school much more confident. I was not nervous speaking in front of a group anymore. I was actually got in trouble more at school for talking because I just was more comfortable in my own skin. So all of a sudden, I was getting trouble at school for talking during classes. I also feel that it gave me group management skills just in terms of working within a group. It gave me time management skills. It gave me the ability to, to work with people that I wasn't best friends with. You know, before camp it was hard to figure out the dynamics of how to work with people and camp, it made things easier. I also I was not good at sports, and I just always felt really bad about that, and camp changed that. I was like, you know what, softball ain't my thing, but these things are. And that was huge for me as a kid to not feel that weight or pain because it really was sort of sucked not mm. being good at softball. And camp taught me, it was like, there's a lot of other things you're good at, so who cares if you're not good at softball? So that was awesome. And I would say that being a Jewish professional – is a total accident because back in my day, hmm. it was you went to college and you got a job. I mean, there were there were just there weren't the pressures of the internships. There wasn't the pressure of how do you find a job. It was just much easier and much simpler. And at the time when I was finishing school, I was working at camp, best job ever, work at a summer camp. And I, the director of camp, JC, asked me what I was doing after camp. I said I hadn't really thought about. It. And he said, have you ever thought about working for Camp Year Round? I was like, my God, I haven't. I was like, it's my favorite place in the world. I want to make the world a better place. I love working with kids. God, this sounds fun. Yeah, I'm interested. And it ended up being the most incredible experience. And it, it does make me wonder what, what we're doing for future leaders of our Jewish communal world. What are the on-ramps? What are opportunities so that we make sure that these kids who love being Jewish and love organization and community and you know entrepreneurship and startups and all the things, how do we make sure that they know that being a professional in the Jewish world is something that they should absolutely be looking to do and making sure that it's on their radar?
0: I totally I totally couldn't agree more with you, Anna. Um I mean I think there's so many people who never consider being a rabbi. Right. Um or being a cantor. And it's I, I think it's the best job in the world. I agree. Uh, I'm a little biased. So am I. But the the ability to have um such a deep impact on people like that that rabbi who suggested Absolutely. camp to you changed the course of your life.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I certainly know um that rabbis inspired me so much when I was a kid and I wanted to be able to help other kids find meaning, um, and, and power in community and community and in Jewish life. But, um, you don't have to be a rabbi or no. a cantor to make a difference in the Jewish world. And there's, um, uh, you know, my wife, y- you and Rachel worked together very closely for many years. She, um, was helping, um, run all of the camps, all the 15 URJ camps around the country as the associate director of camping for, for the union. And then now she's running uh, what was Nifty in Israel and is now rebranded Yala Israel. Yala
1: Israel.
0: So, and maybe we'll touch on that later. There's a lot of funding, especially for Memphis kids um, to go. More than half the trip is covered to go to Israel after 10th unbelievable. grade. That's which unbelievable, that's
1: unbelievable. Yeah,
0: really amazing. Um, but there's so much that you can do in in the Jewish world, even not as a clergy person, or especially not especially as a especially not,
1: right? I feel like it's really clear that there is a real need for rabbis and cantors and educators and there's schools and there's, you know, jobs, and that's all really clear. I just wonder like, how do we find the next Rachel Brills? How do we find these, you know, executives and program associates? And there's so many jobs and it's so important and so many of these kids who love camp and who love youth group, they love being in community. They like, um, they love being with other kids who have their Jewish connection. They want to make the world a better place. These Jewish jobs will do that. Like, we are going to make this a, a better world for all of us. And we need to make sure that all our, our kids are know that these are really incredible and important job opportunities where they can fulfill career dreams. I mean, you've seen it. There's a temple is also a startup in some ways, constantly evolving, constantly trying to make sure the needs are being met, balancing budgets, fundraising. I mean, really exciting things. And I just want to make sure that our leaders know Mm -hmm. how fulfilled and challenged their professional lives could be by this work.
0: Totally, totally. And the synagogue has been the center of Jewish life for 2,000 years. I think synagogues will always be important, especially in the South. I think um, in in New York and L.A. and Chicago, we there's a much lower affiliation rate at synagogues, and they're not as important to the overall Jewish community as they are here. Um, and so, and I, I work at a synagogue, and I love being a pulpit rabbi, but I do think that um, as the Jewish world is changing, as our demographics are changing, um, synagogues are, there, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for other ways of engaging, whether it's through a camp. And we know that camp is by far the most effective tool in helping kids feel proud of their Judaism, connected to their Judaism, that these immersive experiences, camps or retreats. Um, and so there's so many opportunities what, outside of a synagogue Um, to be a Jewish professional, to innovate, um, to create Jewish life that's going to appeal to the next generation. Absolutely,
1: And I just think, you know, in today's world and the climate we're in, it is really important to have intentionally Jewish spaces and to make sure that we are ensuring that that the talent of these young professionals, that they are coming back home to these organizations or starting new ones and just making sure that these Jewish... Current and future institutions are staffed by these these kids who are going to fix this world for us. Mm-hmm.
0: And I do want to say, I'm um, thinking back to your three years as assistant director, and we overlapped a little bit when I was um, on staff, uh, camper and staff, I believe. And um, these are positions where it's not—unfortunately, it's not like there's a zillion people waiting in the wings— I mean assistant director is a very actually right. wonderful position where a lot of people uh, are interested but most of our Jewish positions if if people listening to this podcast or people like us or people in our communi- communities don't step up to fill these roles or to do these jobs like they're not going to get done. And, no you're right. And so I think that the we have to realize actually the impact that we can have it wouldn't happen if people didn't step up to these roles. And, and actually make it happen. And I'll just speak for, for myself, and I know that there's thousands of other kids in my shoes, that the assistant director of Jacob's camp, the, and now you, of course, as director, I mean, you enable the opportunities that create all of the benefits that we've been talking about, confidence, resilience, love of Judaism. Um, and so it's, it's not trivial, and it's not, it's not like if we don't do it, it'll uh, just magically happen. It takes people and intention to really make it happen.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about everywhere you see, it's like hiring, looking for jobs. What do we need to be focused on to make sure that our jobs are filled with the next generation to make sure that these kids who've never needed campers, Judaism more continue to have these really powerful experiences? You know, we we need the talent and we we also, I just want to make sure that people know that the breadth, the wide variety of jobs that are available. I just think people would be surprised to understand the huge variety of jobs that are really uh, amazing. And I think one thing that was unique for me, and when I was an assistant camp director, Working on small teams, you're just able to do more. Like, I was able to do so much more than my friends working at these big firms because I was able to come up with ideas and execute. And sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. But having the opportunity to really plan and program and innovate, I mean, we were really doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I was, At 22 years old, I was really doing things. And that just... I see that still today in our Jewish world that there's such a spirit of entrepreneurship and the opportunities that you have working as part of, you know, scrappy teams. You are really able to take everything you learned in high school and college and really actually do it.
0: And I and I, I want to get back to your, your individual story, but I, I do want to touch on this for a moment because I think so many people thinking about being – Counselors at camp, they love camp, they had a great experience, but they think they got to get a real job or a oh, real man, internship over the summer. And and I used to run a fellowship, the TI fellowship here, where we we partnered with um, a lot of organizations to provide internships and uh, for college students and, and grads. And I definitely know the importance of feeling like you have something quote unquote professional on your resume. But I, I, what I hope people realize is that this, the actual hard skills that you build as a counselor at camp are so hard to replicate and are so valuable. I mean, first of all, the, in any business, the ability to talk to people face-to-face and to have these interpersonal skills, that's the most important skill that anybody can have. If I can, if I can teach you how to, or maybe I can't teach you, but someone can teach you how to, um, I don't know, make a graphic or mm-hmm. how to plan a program. Mm-hmm. But it's these interpersonal skills that are so hard to teach and that you build at camp, you you learn how to work on a team, you um, you learn how to organizational skills. I mean, planning an evening program, You're right. it, it's the same skills that you use in, in sales, in project management. And I just, I think that it, even if, quote unquote, it doesn't look so good on a resume, which I, I actually beg to differ, um, I think that the skills that you build are just, uh, it's hard to, to find that anywhere else, especially in a two month period.
1: I could not agree with you more, and at the same time, we are also trying, you know, we want the best at camp and the brightest, and so we are trying to diversify our job offerings, and so I think you'd be surprised that some of the internships and different availables that we have at camp because we do have, you know, we had a civil engineering intern and you know we have hospitality and graphic design. Like we have mm. such a variety of different internships available at camp, but I am just so desperate for some in some big, cause some big time industry leaders to really come out and say what working at summer camp did for them. And that it, did and did not hold them back because they did not have the internship. But in fact, because they learned all the skills you just talked about, it makes them the leader they are today. Mm-hmm. And I I wish that that was something that we could work more with college professionals and even our own staff parents for them to understand that we are going to give them real professional opportunities and real professional growth to make them amazing workers in the future. But also don't forget, our college students, it's not like they've got an easy thing going on right now, and they need camp too. And as much as camp is a, is a hard job, and, I, and we always say at camp that everything we do at camp is what can we do to support the cabin counselor. All of that to say, you know, our staff, it's a community also, and they get their cups filled and they have the chance to get back to themselves and their Judaism and to, to meet new people. And so what better thing could there be than getting the professional experience at camp, but also getting to have some fun? I mean, nothing more fun than camp. There just isn't. Find something, I promise you, camp is more fun. It just is. I
0: totally agree. And, and I want to take us on a on a brief tangent. So bring me back if we go too far. But um, thinking about my experience as a counselor, I was co-counselor with a guy named Tomer Meir, mm-hmm. who was the shaliach, uh, the emissary from Israel at, at Temple Israel for a year before coming to camp. Oh, wow. And um, Tomer was my co-counselor for both sessions. And we we had an amazing time. He was a great co-counselor. Um, but he had, he had just finished his army service, so he was way more mature than I was. But uh, we're still friends to this day. I, he lives in New York now, and I see mm. him. We text, and, hey, Tomer, if you're listening, um, <laughs> uh, I'll send you this podcast. But um, I think w- one thing we haven't talked about is the connection to Israel that camp can foster because it's the only time in the life of an average American Jew where they will not not only learn about Israel— but we'll have personal intimate and deep relationships with real Israelis. The the Union for Reform Judaism brings over 2 to 300 Israelis to work in our camp camping system as counselors every year and just the the impact that knowing and loving an Israeli an Israeli person or a lot of them has on our conception of of the state of Israel which is thousands of miles away that personal connection I don't think you can really put into words how big of an impact that can make.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that it is really complicated right now to understand like what is Israel, and the best way to try and figure that out is through relationship. And We have these amazing leaders that come every summer from Israel, and it's a real priority for us because we really want our community to have a relationship with Israel and to be able to you know, support Israel and have respectful, hard conversations um, and also to be able to go for pre- be prepared to go into college and to understand the complexities of Israel and t- having relationships and having, you know, humanity. Like These are people who are thousands of miles from home that they want to come to summer camp and they want to be part of this community and they are not, you know, people and societies are more than could possibly be shown on the news or in an article online. And we give people the chance to actually connect and to have conversations and to learn more. And you can't do that by just seeing these news stories, but we have the opportunity to, to be able to support and educate and to give our kids much more of per- Preparation before they go to Israel. I'm sorry, before they go on you know, college campuses and be equip them to have hard conversations.
0: Totally, totally. So let's. I want to take it back to um, to your personal history. And after you were assistant director, you moved to the Big Apple, to the big city, I did. little Alabama girl. I all the sure way did in New York, and and you work for the URJ, um, for the national umbrella organization of the Reform movement. Um, what what was that like for you as a Southern? Uh, a Southern Jew working for the the largest Jewish movement in, in the central office in in America.
1: Well, when I first moved to New York, I remember every time I would go to a diner for a couple months, I would order matzo ball soup because I just couldn't <laughs> believe it was on the menu. And I was just totally tickled when stores were closed for Rosh Hashanah. Like, I just loved it. I just, you know, thought that was the coolest thing in the world, And also, I got really frustrated with people because they just really took their Judaism for granted, you know, coming from a town in which it was all hands on deck and, you know, I had to go to Sunday school every Sunday and there were, you know, two of us in the class and... I just couldn't believe when people had such apathy for Judaism. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're not going to this program. Or what do you mean, you know, you're not doing this? I just had a hard, really hard time wrapping my head around it. when I was like, you're so lucky. Like you have so many opportunities. I would have loved to have had this. Why are you not doing this? And so I definitely feel that, Really happy that I have such an appreciation for my Judaism and that I don't take it for granted. I certainly loved working for the, the North American movement. As a kid from Dothan, it was just wild to me that there were hundreds of people working for a Jewish organization with multiple departments. And I started out working in the meeting planning department. And, you know, I love organization and then I love a list. And I never dreamed that I might get to take some professional skills I have and do it for things that I love. Like, in what world did I think I'd be doing convention planning for for reformed Jews? It was it was almost like a dream come true. It was. I call it the glory days. You know, there was a bunch of us in our 20s, living in New York, planning these conferences, and we all were doing these really big jobs, and we were learning so much, and we had amazing mentors. For me, it just keeps coming back to, people want to be seen and they want to be heard and they want to be valued. And I feel like Jewish organizations, we do that really well in terms of mentorship and in terms of giving people opportunities and giving them safe spaces to fail. You know, I tried a lot of things and I'm not saying they were all great. I had some big misses, but similar to camp, it was, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out, we'll make it work and we'll improve it. And we'll learn from the next time. But I I, just—I loved it. It was just an amazing time in my life. I made lifelong friends, and it was also important for me to always remind people that I was working with that there are Jews— outside of New York and California. And so I felt like it was a very important role that I always had to remind people about our small congregations and to remind people that there are Jews outside of the coasts, And I still feel that way today, just in terms of our Jewish landscape, how important it is for us to understand that there are congregations of all sizes serving all kinds of people and that we have to keep in mind our whole system of Judaism and not just our big towns.
0: It's such a good point. And being in New York for the last four or five years um, and part of, you know, the the kind of inner, very, uh, what's the word? Like, you know, close to the to the heart of Judaism mm-hmm. through rabbinical school and, and with Rachel working at the union, I do feel like I see a lot of uh, the inner workings of the movement. And it worries me that they're so, the movement is, unfortunately, I think, to, to uh, the detriment of American Jewry, so focused on the experience of Jewish life in New York and L.A. and, you know, San Francisco and Boston, that, where of course, there are a lot of Jews there. But there there are also hundreds and hundreds of congregations in the South and in the Midwest and um, in, the, in the Mountain West. Um, and these congregations, even though Temple Israel is uh, so blessed to be um, a strong and historic and large congregation um, There's, con- like you said, congregations of all sizes And so having somebody like you with that perspective Because um, if you have people all working for the movement That are all from New York Then they're not going to understand the perspective of everybody else So I think that is really lucky for the movement that you work there And I hope uh, that, that actually gets back to our earlier point about If if we can foster more Jewish professionals from the south yes. or from places outside of New York or LA, how much better that will be for the movement as a whole because it'll be focusing resources outside of the coasts. Absolutely. So I, I want to get well. Actually, can you t- touch on what were at least one of the highlights of, of your time at URJ um, headquarters? Was it working the biennial, on the biennial?
1: One thousand percent the biennial all day every day. So I'm just, for for our listeners, oh my God. what is biennial? The biennial was a a a, it was a conference that was for reformed Judaism. It happened every other year. And it was a place for Jews to be part of something bigger. And it was all you know, it was temple boards 101. It was new Jewish artists. It was how to, you know, work with a part-time treasurer to make your synagogue finances work. It was, you know. New Jewish artist. It was everything, but for you know, it what for me the biennial. As a kid from Dothan, Alabama, there is nothing that could ever. I could. I can't even describe what it was like to celebrate Shabbat with over five thousand people. I mean, there. It was just so powerful to be part of something that huge. To realize the the power and the the impact of our community and just to have shabbat dinner with over 5000 people i mean just unbelievable and it was great to see people connecting in the hallways and in the exhibit hall and just to really see our community come alive and it reminded me a lot about camp you know it really did feel a little bit campy like we, we built this for 2 to 4 years it it happened in 5 days and it was just Judaism coming alive, and it was incredible to to do the work with my colleagues. you know you're you're tired. Things are funny. Um you get to meet people from across the organization. It was just the complete highlight of my time there just really I, as you can tell, I'm a huge biennial hmm. fan
0: i've I've only been to two um, the last two one in Boston about five years ago and Chicago three years ago, right before COVID, and I was just so inspired. Mm. Um, for people that that for Jewish professionals that just put in work every day, um, it, it's it's such a spiritual, I think, refresher and revitalizer yes. um, to see that there are thousands of people from around the country. Working to create and to deepen and to foster Jewish communities, there are people like you that can, you know, it, it does make you to use your words from earlier feel very seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: to know you're not alone. To know I you're mean, not. A,
0: to know you're part of something yes, bigger. Yes, definitely. Definitely, and and it's not just for rabbis or professionals. No, I mean th- we. There's lay people. There's people. They just love Judaism. Want to say like this is the Super Bowl of being.
1: Absolutely. Being
0: a Reformed Jew.
1: Absolutely, and you know. You got you know, some people Jew, Jewish music as their jam. So give me a better concert than the biennial. I dare you. You won't find one. And it's just it was a way for people to get a real immersive you know, jolt of Jewish joy and to to learn more and to feel that you're not alone. And I just don't know if there's anything like it. I mean, it really was so, so powerful. And I hope that we are able to do it again. I, I mean, hope so, too. I really do.
0: So uh, coming out of, um, that job that you, you found so meaningful and, and, um, enriching professionally, then all of a sudden the Jacobs job. Well, it's funny.
1: So I was working for the biennial and I could never quite get camp out of my system So an opportunity came open in our North American office where Rachel used to work. And I was the assistant director of business operations for a few years. For, For the camps. For the camps. And I loved it because I was able to work with people from all the different camps who are just the greatest people in the world. And I was able to, to learn a lot and to see a different side of the camp, which was the business side where I had not traditionally been. And, to talk about camp every day and to problem solve and to help support my colleagues in the fields doing the important work, it was amazing. And it was around that time when the Jacobs Camp job came open and I just had never thought about being the Jacobs Camp director. In the industry at the time, you know, we had our, our Macy was the director for 30 years, and JC was the director for 15 years, and many of our other colleagues had been in their camps for a long time. And I just didn't know that the job would come open. And it was as if the moon, the stars, the sun all aligned and the job came open. And I just knew that I had to do it. I wanted to be able to take camp into the next move and to get camp to a really strong and bright future and to really see what I could do and to be able to give back to the place that meant so much to me. I really owe my entire life. I owe my marriage. I owe my life. I owe my best friends to camp. And I thought I had something to give and I wanted to do it. And I am really... So grateful to everyone who came before me to to come and have this incredible place. You know, Jacob's Camp was founded by visionary leaders. I think our story is, is so unique in that most camps were named for a lead gift, but our camp was truly founded by our community. You know, the Jewish camp started opening and the Jews of the Deep South wanted a camp, And everyone was like, yeah, right. And they're like, watch us go. So the camps literally went community by community. They figured out what it would cost to build a camp. And each congregation raised the money for camp. And they did this for us. And to be able to continue that legacy is pretty indescribable. And I think that's, you know, the founding of camp and the ties to the community really are unique. And, I just feel really grateful to our founders and to our communities for ensuring that we have such a special place to have living Judaism in the Deep South. And we just owe so much to our visionary founders for making sure that we would have a camp. And it's those, you know, the congregations built this camp. And so we all, you know, Jacob's camp is Temple Israel. You know, we are Temple Israel. Temple Israel built Jacob's camp, and we are just so lucky, and we just want to keep evolving so that the same camp that was founded for kids to be themselves and to make Jewish friends and to have Jewish lives, that we continue to evolve and stay competitive so that we are strong and are able to do our work for years to come.
0: Talking about the founding of the camp, and then I want to come back to, to your your coming on to camp, but um, camp a few years ago celebrated its 50th anniversary. Yes, And it's hard to imagine for someone like me who grew up taking camp for granted. I mean, I appreciated it, but it all, it, it always existed. And um, just thinking back to what it must have been like for kids for many, for a few generations after people moved here from, right. from Europe and moved to all these little towns in the Delta or in yes. the deep South- and they had Jewish kids. Some, some, some of us, some people lived in Memphis or New Orleans with bigger Jewish communities, but many people lived in Opelousas, Louisiana, or Dothan, Alabama, or Yazoo City, Mississippi, and um, they didn't. And so the vi- the tremendous vision.
1: Can you of even our imagine? Leaders. I really can't. Actually, and I commitment. really can't. I know. I mean, who? T- who?
0: just thinking about all the work that had to go into it and and some of it is in our wonderful book um written by Judy Ringel uh, which i have right here um the history the history of of Temple Israel some of that history is is in our our book because Temple did play a big role uh, huge huge role to, um both the Memphis and New Orleans Jewish communities did a huge had a huge investment financial investment um in making the camp happen but i just cannot imagine People taking time out of their lives to say, "I'm going to go scout out sites oh in in the swamps of Mississippi right. and find a, and buy a site for our kids to have a summer camp." Like it's just the vision and the commitment.
1: The that commitment.
0: It's unbel- It's so inspiring.
1: And, and the financial load. I mean, it's not as if it's easy to run a temple. I mean, I am, I can picture that there were months in which decisions had to be made. Am I paying the Power Bill this month or am I putting money in the Jacobs Camp Fund? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is beyond a miracle that our congregations did this for our kids. It is. I just, I really, it is just unbelievable. And the fact that, you know, the camp was named after one of our visionary leaders and not after a lead gift, I think is really says so much about Jacob's camp and about the value of service to the community.
0: Agree it. And it is it is an honor that you have to to carry on the legacy of those people who gave so much um, and who who executed it and made possible that vision. Um, and I just want to say, someone as someone who worked under you um, after my first year of rabbinical school working at camp for the summer, I am so appreciative of you and your leadership and your your know-how. I think Jacob's Camp is so lucky to have you as um, its trustee and ensuring that it grows and thrives another generation. Uh, I j- have so much admiration for you, Anna, and um, just think that you, we as a community, are so lucky to have you at the helm. Um, and I've seen, well, I'll get into more of the gushing maybe a little bit <laughs> no, later. I'm good, I'm
1: good, I'm good. No, but, thank
0: you. But, um, I'm curious, having worked at the union mm-hmm. and then come back to this place that shaped you, um, how did you want to shape camp? Coming in, how many years have you been
1: director now? This will be my eighth year. Wow.
0: So so you, you have a lot under your belt. And five years in, COVID happens, and we'll talk yes. about that. But when you first took the position over the, the course of the first five years, how did you want to transform camp?
1: I wanted everything, everything I loved about camp and the community and the friendship, I just wanted nothing to change. I did wanna make sure that camp was financially strong for the future. And so something that was important to me was making sure that our community knew that we have this amazing camp right down the road. And I also wanted to bring Jewish joy to the congregation. So at at the heart of it, I'm a kid from Dothan, Alabama, and I wanted Jacob's Camp to be able to bring the Jewish joy to our communities year round. So, I, you know, two things. I wanted to, A, in our large cities, make sure that everyone knew about the magic of Jacob's Camp. And for our, too, for our smaller cities, I wanted them to have a really fun day when Jacob's Camp comes to town. So it was really important to me to be present in our communities and to be present with our families. You know, camp happens during the summer and we are in relationship with our families all year round. So I wanted our families to understand that. And I also really value customer service. And I wanted families to understand that the Jacobs Camp difference is that they they know that when they're calling camp that they're not camper, you know, 247-B, that they're calling and we know them and that we're supporting them and that everything about the Jacob's magic that I was able to just try and crystallize a little more why Jacob's camp and why not someone else. And also, you know, the, some of the fun stuff, building new buildings and making repairs and seeing how, you know, I really want a test kitchen. We don't have one, but wait, there are these two rooms that if we take a wall down and, you know, we work with Temple Israel Brotherhood to get a donation, boom, I've got a test kitchen. So it was, a, it was some marketing work, some re education, and also just some dreaming and just getting things done. Mm. And we have the best community in the world. There are, there's such support for our camp so in some ways it was very easy because we have the best camp ever we have an incredible community and we just had to get to work a little bit and just to get in there and i think with most thi- with excuse me with most things it is good to have fresh eyes and fresh perspective and also knowing knowing what i do and don't know so when do i need help and when do i have this and how can people help you know thank god for our camp committee you know we have a really small year round team as most jewish nonprofits do and we have an unbelievable volunteer camp committee who helps us get our work done you know let me ha- let this be a plug for volunteering for the organizations that you support we need you none of us can get the work done that we need and the work of our lay committees of our volunteers help us get our work done and we couldn't do it without them so i i would like to think that i was able to utilize an existing group of support and grow the support and the other thing we had to work really hard on was fundraising. You know, all we want to do is to keep costs low so that kids can come to camp. We never want money to be the reason that someone can come doesn't come to camp. And so we have to raise a lot of money every year because camp is really expensive. And guess what? The the fees for camp, they don't cover all the cost. But we at Jacob's Camp are so lucky that the Deep South understands how important camp is, and we have a lot of generous donors who support us and a lot of communities that support us, a lot of temples, a lot of federations. We are blessed that our community understands the importance of Jewish summer camp, and they're not going to let money stop them. And please, for families listening— there is more support than you think for camp. There are a lot of incentives. We want kids to come to camp. Please know how badly we want them to come to camp. So please just start the conversation with your camp.
0: Totally, totally. I want to pick up on two things you just said. The first is when I when I worked at camp that summer five years ago, six years ago. Um, I was astounded by we would be going through lists of um, of campers before. Uh, before the campers arrived and I'd ask you a question about one of the campers and you not only did you know oh they've been coming just off the top of your head they've been coming for three years or this is a new family you knew stuff about the parents you knew oh they're um they might be uh carpooling with this other family because this family has to work or they can't get off work and I just didn't could not believe how um for hundreds uh, over 400 campers a summer you were so dedicated that you knew the, all of these families personally. And I do think that's a differentiator between, um, all the URJ camps are yes, wonderful,
1: absolutely. but
0: that is something about Jacob's camp in the South, that it is so relational and so personal. And I think you're, you're a big part of that.
1: I, I really appreciate that. I think that it is a Jacob's camp value that the, the family feel and the community of Jacob's camp is everything And it's all about relationships, and that is something really important to me and to our whole camp community. And as much as, you know, Jacob's Camp, we sell out, we have wait lists, you know, it's amazing. And the soul of Jacob's Camp is that camp is big enough that you can make a new friend every day, but small enough that you know everyone's name, and that will never change. Mm -hmm. It is just really important to me that our, our community and the Jacob's Camp family is just priority number one
0: it's it's astounding um because rachel works in in your world i get kind of the the numbers um before they're public and i'm always astounded every year how many families sign back up again returning campers uh must constitute what 80 over 80 percent yes of um of the spot so people are signing back up the day registration opens 400 families or 400 campers sign up it's and, and these numbers might be off a little bit but it is it is a incredible and it's a testament to to the work that you do.
1: We have an amazing team. We um, really do.
0: But there is there is room for more campers. Yes,
1: there is and there there's there's definitely room for more campers and we can figure out ways to make it work and if for example Jacob's camp is not the right fit for you I am beyond passionate about Jewish camp and I do see myself as a Jewish camp concierge and I think that Judaism has has innovated and changed through the years and some of y'all might not know that in addition to the traditional sleepaway camps there are an like unbelievable specialty camps they are 12 days long we have camp for science and technology we have camp for sports we have camp for creative arts and what's amazing is is that these camps are, they are, they're, they're not, they're very different from regional camps. They are you know, they live, kids live in dorms. They have majors and minors. I joke with the sports camp a lot because, you know, at Jacob's camp, we have these really fun pr- evening programs every night where it's like sort of the best birthday party ever. And they're themed and they're just amazing. And I like asked the sports director, I'm like, what's the evening program? tonight? He's like playing more sports. But for kids who love sports or who love science, who could not get away for 24 days or who may be living in a cabin, With 13 other kids is not for them, and they want to live in a dorm room. How amazing for the future of Judaism that we have these opportunities out there. I mean, good for us for continuing to innovate to make sure that our kids have Jewish summer homes.
0: Totally. And and just to give a sense of the quality of these camps, um, the— the leaders of the sports camp, like our division one soccer coaches. Oh or, yeah. No,
1: they're the, for real. It's for real.
0: Yeah. So you could go to a, you know, just a standalone soccer camp. And if you, if you want to play college soccer or, or, you know, whatever your passion is and, or you could go to that same camp with the same quality because our, our movement and, and our families are investing so much in creating that quality. You could go to that same quality of camp for performing arts, or sci-tech, or engineering, or sports, and get the same quality level camp in a Jewish environment. In a
1: Jewish environment with Jewish friends. I mean, in Jewish values, it's unbelievable. I, one, of, one of our most generous donors is someone who actually, their child was really involved in sports and could not get away to come to Jacob's camp. And I think it's so amazing that there are, Camps where kids who they have other passions, or they can't get away for twenty four days, that they get to have these Jewish immersive experiences, and they there's Shabbat and there's Jewish friends, and they're you know doing for real for real lacrosse at the same time. I mean, I think it's amazing.
0: It is amazing. So I want to I want to switch gears for a second and talk about something less amazing, mm. um, which is COVID yeah. and the impact that that had on on the camping system and on you. And and Jacobs, um, I'm thinking back to three years ago, March of 2020. You were geared up, all ready to go for oh, camp. Oh, we were
1: so ready! Oh my gosh, everything was planned.
0: It, yeah, everything was planned. The staff, international staff, was coming. Hired. They had visa, oh, yeah. visas. Oh yeah, and everything shuts down in the world. And I remember Rachel, um, who was the associate director mm-hmm. of camping at the time, and was on calls with you every day. Just the amount of work that you and the whole camping system put in to go, I mean, there were just so many scenarios. Okay, what if we can run camp, but we do it in this way or, and figuring out how to do it safely. And the amount of just sheer hours that you put in when the world was shut down to try to make camp happen for our kids. And then the 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 tragedy it really was, yes. of, of saying, for the safety of our kids. This was before vaccines. Correct. Um, that we weren't going to run. Um, and then, so I, I'm, I'm curious about what that was like for you. And then a year later, um, you ran camp and, and and you did do it. And there are so many safety protocols. So we've had two years of camp since then. But can you talk about what that was like for you to be in in the trenches that first year of trying to make camp possible, and then what it was like when when it became impossible.
1: You know, I remember um, in March of 2020, I went to New York March 6th to the 9th, and I was going to ride in the Peloton studio with my favorite instructor, Cody. Cody Rigsby? You know it. There you go. Boo crew. Um, <laughs> I actually need to get back on my Peloton, but that's me another too, podcast for another day. So I remember thinking, you know, there was stuff on the news, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy some hand sanitizer. And I went to a couple stores and I was in Mississippi and I couldn't find I found hand sanitizer and I bought like four things. And I remember thinking, this is strange. And I went to New York and we came back, and that's when things just started falling apart. And I said to myself, well, you know, camp's still gonna happen. And like my best friends would reach out to me. I'm like, you know what, camp's gonna happen. And there was there was a while in which you know we were running all the scenarios, and it was you know we thought things would open back up in two weeks, and we were running all the scenarios and and everything. We thought it was still going to be fine, and then I remember, you know, one of one of my favorite um, child professionals uh, once has has a quote you know that says, "Isn't amnesia wonderful?" So like some of this I have blacked out a little bit but I remember the sort of day in which I realized there's no way we can pull this off safely. And it was one of the worst days of my life because I just knew what that meant for our kids. Like they were, it was already, they were missing out on so much and the kids who, you know, high school graduations were canceled and this was canceled. And I just said, well, it's, it's going to be okay because we're going to have camp. But when we, When we hit that, when that day happened and I knew it was just, it was really hard because I knew what it was going to mean to the kids when we had to cancel because I was that kid and it made it so much worse because I understood as much as I can for anyone else, but I understood what potentially that might feel like. And it was really, really hard. And the whole summer was just sort of awful. Because we had already planned the whole thing out, it was like, the calendar was just not my friend. I was like, well, today should have been opening day. Mm-hmm. Today should have been Maccabia. You know, how it seemed, should have gotten here today. And at the same time, the racial reckoning that was happening, it did give me a lot of perspective in terms of, I, I remember feeling really sorry for myself on my birthday that I didn't have a camp birthday. And I was like, woe is me, poor Anna. And then that was the first time this was on my birthday that I that I learned about Breonna Taylor. Hmm. And so I certainly was had some real struggles just in terms of real loss and real just depression and also at the same time realizing, my God, what world are we living in? And then I would get on another cycle. I'm like, this is what we need to talk about at camp. Like I need to be with my campers talking about these things. You know, they're going to help me learn. And so it was just sort of, it was horrible. And when the vaccine started coming out, and when we were living with things more, that's when it became clear, like, we're going to pull this off. And so I remember before 2021, the very first session we had with our supervisors, it was pretty overwhelming, because actually, it was the first big group of people that I had been in in years. And so The summer of 2021 was amazing because we were, it was after the vaccines, we figured out a way to do it safely. We appreciated being in person and there was, I feel like people had, there was a lot more grace given because there was just so much gratitude to being in person and it was just amazing. being
0: Because that was literally the first time people had been back in person since March of 2020. Right. I mean, most people had never been in a group right before that.
1: And, you know, we had to relearn how to be in group. We had to reset what are our norms. We had to talk a lot about, you know, space and boundaries. And, you know, that was also hard. It was, you know, COVID was hard. And so it was hard to be in the community again. But it just felt really magical and Amazing, and you know, we pulled it off, and it was wonderful. And there were COVID keepers, like, there were things you know, there were pivots we had to make that ended up being great pivots that were keeping with us. And I think that we thought that things would just only be on the up and up. And I had no idea that things would be any harder than they were in the summer of 2020. Like, I thought that 2020. The cancellation of camp was going to be the low moment, but, you know, the pandemic was so complex, and last summer, there were points of last summer that were actually harder than the canceled 2020, because we had vaccines, it felt like we were on the other side of things, and then right before camp, there were more cases, and things were getting difficult again. And where we thought the summer was going to look one way, it ended up looking another way, and it was really hard. It was really hard,
0: really hard. And and some of the challenges that we went through, that you went through last summer, I mean, a lot, the the URJ National had some of the leading, um, leading child health um, experts from all around the country on a committee. Um, to try to
1: to create protocols right because all we, you know all we wanted was to have a more typical summer like we just wanted a regular old summer. so the the, the medical professionals were building protocols to give us what we wanted. you know we said um, we need a more typical summer we don't want to be masked, we don't want to be potted. we're vaccinated like give us a typical summer, we're ready and that was what the goal was and that was not how things played out. And it was really hard. You know, I remind myself, and certainly, you know, time is everything. And, you know, now being in December and not being in June, there was definitely a lot of magic happening. There were first-time campers who last summer was their first summer, and it's all they knew, and they had the best summer ever. Um, And there were a lot of gifts and a lot of magic. And I think something that was really hard for me was that I – deeply understand how important camp is and what a role it plays. And, you know, when kids had to go home because they had COVID, again, I was not calling camper two forty seven B. These are children that I love that are that are everything to me, that I was having to, you know, send them home and I was trying to have perspective and to run camp and to keep everyone safe. And it was terribly hard sending kids home from camp. And something that I think surprised me was that things have been really hard on everyone the last few years. And I feel that before last summer, I had been really lucky in terms of, I felt like before last summer, I had been really lucky in that families gave us a tremendous amount of grace and a tremendous amount of respect. And last summer, everyone was just so, last summer, everyone was just going through so much. And at at times, it felt that sometimes families lost sight of the fact that we were all humans trying to do the same thing. We wanted kids at camp. We wanted them healthy. We wanted them safe. We wanted them making new friends, learning new skills. And we were actually all on the same team and that got lost a little and it was really hard. And it definitely, you know, made me think about my own life. And, you know, I am someone who, you know, I lived in New York for 10 years and it really did shape me. Like I'm a Southern, I'm a Southern gal, but those 10 years in New York, it teaches you really how to use your words and to you know, be assertive and get things done. And so all of that to say, it made me try to give more grace to others. You know, I don't know what someone else is going through. I don't know what their day is like. I don't know what their lives are like. And so I am trying in my own life to make sure I do always have an assumption of goodwill. And I do have a bit more patience because we are all humans doing the best we can. And last summer was hard for me. It was the first time that I did I That my community my community was struggling, and when our parent community was struggling, the same level of love and respect that we typically get in our administrative office, things were different, and it was really hard.
0: Hmm. <clears throat> I'm really sorry, Anna, that you had to go through that because um, I know it was—I I can only imagine as a parent— or as a camper, um, looking forward to camp all year, Mm -hmm. and getting there.
1: And us saying that it was going to be a typical summer, because that's really what we thought it was. That's what we were planning for. Right,
0: right. And then getting there, and then having this, you know, a large COVID outbreak, a large COVID problem, um, all of first session, or most of first session, and um, having having to pick your kid up from their favorite place in the whole world. Right. And what that... I really just have so much, um, uh, empathy for the families.
1: Me too. And think, and you think about it, you know, they were every day waiting for the call. So at least, you know, us at camp, we still were together and we were still, you know, doing wacky evening programs and swimming and blobbing on the lake, but our poor parents, they're just sitting at home waiting for the call. You know right. they've got their own lives and or they or and whatever. booked a the vacation yes, across the country absolutely. or out of the country,
0: and um, and I do I feel for them, and, and at the same time I I feel so much for you that you and your whole staff were you didn't want to send the kids home. It no. was the last thing you wanted to do. You wanted them to be there, and so it let I, I pray that this summer and every future summer is not like that. And that um, the goal of camp to create a magical space. That's all it. That's all it has to be. That there's not all this tension and and heartbreak. And um, but I do think that your lesson, Anna, that when something doesn't go the way that we want, that camp is actually the place that can teach us how to even when something doesn't go what, how we want to be. Um, Resilient, mm. and to um, even if if our feelings are hurt, or even if we're angry, to to channel the best inside of us, our better angels, mm. and to treat the the people who are working so hard with rachamanis, with mm. compassion, with mm. respect. Um, and and I do think I just want to lift up that lesson um, that hopefully we can all strive to embody that when things don't go our way, to um, in the words of the rabbis. Ladin Lakaf Zahut from Pirkei Avot to um, judge other people on the side of merit to give people the benefit of the doubt that what they're doing is um, the best they possibly can because I know that's what camp's doing.
1: It's so true, and I, and I I'd worry about our our caring professions, our our medical professions. You know, people who are really trying to help and make the world a better place, and how do these professionals doing those jobs, how can, how can they know, you know, it's just, it's hard today. People are upset and people are not as kind as they once were. And unfortunately, I feel that we have, I want us to be able to rebuild our world so that we are able to have respectful disagreements and come to appreciation and to respect People coming from other places. And I just want to make sure that we are really thinking about our effect on other people and how we can ensure that our, our, these humans in these, in these caring professions who, like, how can we just protect them and make sure that they're protected? And at the same time, like, our parents, I mean, I cannot. Anything, ha- you know, anything having to pertain to your child, of uh, of course, it. nothing will make someone more emotional and um, activated than their child. So, of course, I expect parents, you know, like that's part of the job. Like that's what I signed up for. That's what we all signed up for. I just want there to be space for people to have try to have a little bit of perspective that we're actually all humans trying to do the same thing.
0: And if if we can't do that at Jacob's camp, right, um, the most supportive and loving and happy place for in all of our lives, then where where can we? And I do I do have hope, and and I know you do too. Yes. That um, Jacob's actually can be a model for the rest of our life and the rest of society that um, we can model what it means to be a minch mm. um, in our interactions. And, and it, isn't that exactly what we want to model for our kids? Um, and so I, I want to um, just for a moment thank you for what you and your team and Jewish professionals around the world have done for the last three years because I, I think actually a lot of that got swept under the rug. Um, a lot of that got... Uh, we we were so desperate to move on from COVID that we didn't take the time to think about the people like you and like like your team who toiled. I mean, really, really put heart and, and so many tears um, mm. and heart and soul into making this experience possible and um, just getting a lot of frustration along the way. So I really... I think that you and your team deserve so much thank you and credit for in in three years of a pandemic, um, making that ha- that Jacob's magic
1: possible. Thank you. I, r- I really appreciate that the the camping industry and the. Especially reformed Jewish camping are so blessed with the professionals who just have given their lives over the last few years to make sure that camp was available for kids. And the the ima- you know, it was all worth it to be at camp and to see the friendships. There's nothing like camp. It is just so unique to see your work come to life and to see, the impact of these change makers that we are raising to make our world a better place. And I, you're right. I don't know that we have any of us have had enough space to really process and to heal from what we went through because we just had things we had, you know, the next summer to plan and then the next summer to do. And so it is a balance of celebrating all we've done and also giving space for some real pain real pain and again even just being you know in Memphis the last few days and seeing our kids it is just so incredible the work that we do to make spaces for these children and for our staff and like I know we're going to be okay and that the world is going to be a better place one day because of these kids and because of the space that we're giving them at camp to learn these skills and to, to be able to lead and we're going to be okay. Cause of these kids, like the, we're going to be okay.
0: Totally. And I, and I hope that over the next few years you do find some healing. And um, I know that it's the Jacob's magic the the moments where the kids are laughing and screaming and having the time of their lives and, and falling in love with being Jewish that are going to bring bring that healing um, to you. And so I want to close by giving you the opportunity to make your pitch to maybe a family who never considered camp, um, maybe a family who had a, a negative experience last summer mm-hmm. um, and who's thinking, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Jacobs isn't for me this year, or um, to anybody out there who's never really thought about the impact, parent, grandparent, kid who's listening, who's never thought about the impact, Jewish camp and Jacob's camp can have on their lives. Um, Why is camp so important?
1: Camp is a place where kids can just be themselves. Camp is a place in which it is easy to make new friends. Like, can you imagine a world in which it's easy to make new friends? Camp and Jacob's camp is that place. Jacob's camp is a place where you can play tennis if you're bad at tennis and people are going to celebrate you. Camp is a place where you can perform a comedy act that's not that funny, and you're still going to get a standing <laughs> ovation. Camp is a place where you can meet new friends, where you can celebrate Shabbat, where you can just play, where you can just play and make up games and 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 make art and climb the tower all with Jewish friends. And you can do it. And the thing is, is that There are kids who have never spent the night away from home before, and camp is the first time in which they can do it, and our staff are trained to deal with it. And I always say to parents, guess what? If it's a problem, guess whose problem it's not? It's not (laughs) yours. It's ours, and we're going to take care of it. But camp is a space in which children can be themselves, and they can play, and they can be a little wild and crazy, and it's celebrated and they can try all the activities in the world, and also sometimes just be a little bored. Like, isn't it good for kids to sometimes just be a little bored? There's no screens. There's no social media. um, And all of this is being supported by our staff, who are the magic makers, and who love our children, and who want to make this world a better place. And Summer camp is just so important. Jacob's camp is so important. And Jacob's camp is a really holy community where kids can be themselves and and make new friends. And I just, in today's world, again, it's just really rare to have a place where it's easy to make new friends. And that's Jacob's camp. And we want your kid at camp. We have financial help available if you think you don't qualify, I, I promise you, you do. We have really generous supporters who want you to come to camp. And by the way, you're, we need your support also. Um, camp runs on donations, and we need your help. And we can't wait for the most amazing summer yet. We will have time to be together and to play and to try new things, and to just be in the world we get to create away from the world. We're away from the noise, away from the drama, and in our magical bubble of Utica, Mississippi, I cannot wait to get away from the world and recreate it with all of you, and I will be counting down the days until we say, welcome home, Jacob's Camp.
0: Amen. Amen to that. Um, I just want to thank you, not only for being here today, but for creating that sacred space where our kids can find themselves, can make friends for a lifetime, can fall in love with being Jewish, um, and uh, can fall in love with that very special place, Utica, Mississippi, Jacob's Camp. Um, thank you, Anna, for being here, and we can't wait to see you in Utica this summer. Maybe you will record a podcast with some of our, our temple campers that be there amazing. this summer. It would be amazing. You. In and- the Technion.
1: Yeah, exactly. And again, I have the most amazing team, and this this is all about the community that we all create together. We all have a role, and I just can't wait for future summers together.
0: Same here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, join us next time on Tour to the People. Shalom.